you're listening to episode 9 featuring Kay, Eddie, Mike, and me, Kenneth. <laughs> Kay, what's that about? I don't understand, Kay. What's that no, about? No, it's fine. It's fine. No, no, what's that about? I don't understand. <laughs> That was good, man. It was good. Right, it was cool. good. Fuck it. I'm going to do it again because obviously your, your no, facial expression obviously told me that. My face didn't do anything. <laughs> was Nando's worth getting soaked for? Mate, it was worth it, bro. Vlad, yeah, for that £1.75 chicken, yeah? I didn't Why get that. Why is it £1.75? It's 50% What? Okay, what do you mean? Eat out to help out? Eat out. It's not eat out to help out. It's Nando's own promotion. I thought it was just for no, like um, small out. businesses. I didn't think it was really? for people like Nando's and McDonald's and for stuff everybody, like, like everybody. Like nah, nah, Kate, you need to you need to go on the Gov website. If you put your postcode, remember Kate's not technically are, like from the UK anymore. She's like Spanish. <laughs> no, she don't know she's chasing them. Don't tell them. Guys. <laughs> I'm telling them when they come for me. I'm sending them your details. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so here's how my week been. Well, that's not English. This is how my week went. I was in isolation and then Monday yesterday I got let out, which was great. So the last three weeks I've been having like really bad headaches and sensitivity to light. So I went to the opticians and I had an eye check and they basically were like, oh, your eyes have gotten better and your glasses are too strong. That's why you're getting headaches. So uh, we're going to give you glasses. Because I hear like, like the longer Jesus. you wear glasses, it kind of corrects your eyes, doesn't it? Yeah, something like that. And also, I think, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't actually know what it is, but my eyes are better. I'm still wearing my old glasses. It's got to be. Yeah. It's got to be. And God. I'm, I'm going to give that one to Jesus. Get a lot of vitamin D in that. <clears throat> no, no, there's not. The man said vitamin D, you know. Rah. So moving swiftly along. Moving swiftly along. Like <laughs> blessed, though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how do you feel being back in the UK, though? Come on, you're you're back in London. You, well, sorry, I'm actually. You're back yeah, in, I'm in London. Um, don't try that. Uh, you're, 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 you're back T-W in England. Towards West London. That's where you're from, yeah. <laughs> Twickenham. Yeah, mm, towards West. That's what I call it. What What is your area called? Actually, is it Hounslow or Brentford? Hounslow. What? What's Brentford? I live in Brentford, but I'm at my parents' house. They're in Hounslow. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Mm. The, the quarantine food here is better than at mine. So, <laughs> because you're not cooking. So, you've been quarantining for the last how many months? Sorry, well, how many weeks? Well, two weeks. Okay. So, what? This is How's the second week? Or you've completed yeah. the two weeks? Yeah, I finished. I finished it now. So, now okay. I'm in my third week in being in London. Okay. So, you can now socialize with people now, yeah? Yeah. Let me ask oh, one question, though. Hit me. Have you been actually quarantining, Kay? No, I, I actually did. The only time I had to go out was I had an emergency dentist appointment. My tooth was like really bad, so my dad had to take me. So when you were playing Monopoly, that, when you were playing Monopoly, what? Um, that was yesterday. Oh, really? you're not, you've not been social. You're meant to be isolating by yourself. I was isolating. I was locked in the back apartment. She was in the garden and all. So how, how did you do? So who were you playing Monopoly with? Because it wasn't the virtual from what I the saw. The quarantine ended... And then my sister, obviously it was my sister's 30th birthday. So Oke came and Jess came. Okay. Jess is a sister as well? No, uh, basically well. though, aren't, they, um, aren't them lot attached at the hip? Yeah, they, exactly. They basically, <laughs> oh, they're the same wise. person. Uh, yeah. um, so uh, this week's episode... Remember when... Wait, oh, just, just to bring something random out. Remember when you thought you could be Oke in a race? Do we need to talk about that? I swear she yes, beat you as well, Kelly. Yeah, I'm not gonna talk about it. Nah, nah, don't get twisted. Oh, she never I'm beat me. Don't beat get it twisted. She, she never beat me. I she... left her in, my, in the wind. She pushed she you back, though. What, is she a sprinter? I've got a no, not even. No. She did rowing at school. She's just what? a lot smaller than Kay. Wow. <laughs> no, like like shorter, low center of yeah. gravity. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I've got longer legs, so technically I've got a wider... Yeah, but come on. You still need to have that stride. You know, like how Usain Bolt, he strides quite quickly. Because yeah. it's tall, but you don't have, I have that. to. I have to get into my stride. That's one of those things. I, it takes mm-hmm. me time to get into it. It's not something that just you know mm-hmm. off the gate. You know, I, I'm pretty. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you say stick to netball. Yeah. So what? <laughs> High acceleration yeah. or top speed? What's your? What's your? You know. Uh, I think it's accelerate. We had to do a fitness test to for me to be able to play basketball in Spain, and basically I start off really slow, and then my my heart rate and everything just like speeds up. It's basically, it's like supposedly how athletes do it. Like I have a really low, low heart rate. It's like really bad. Like if I was sleeping and you didn't know, 
Like people would think that I was dead. Like that's how bad it is. So when I start running and stuff, it accelerates. But to get to that point is the problem. Yeah. Like it's not a quick thing. So yeah, by the by the second quarter, that's when I'm I'm really good to go. That first quarter is dead for me. Like I'm not doing Mm. anything. Uh, That's not acceleration, then, is it? That's more so your um, your stamina, endurance. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I don't know the medical terms for these things. I'm not a doctor. Okay. <laughs> okay, so moving on to doctors and medicine. This week, I wanted to talk about mental health. The reason why I wanted to talk about it was um, while I was in uh, quarantine, isolation, I started to have like quite big mood swings. And I, I kind of thought it was, oh, I'm just a bit, you know, I'm, I'm just a bit tired. But I started reading into it and I spoke to my doctor and stuff and they were just like, you're really stressed. And I said, I'm not stressed. I don't get stressed, which is something that my parents have said since I was a kid. And it made me think as uh, BAMEs, do, like, do we actually talk about mental health? Do we talk about stress and how do we feel about it? So the first thing I wanted to do was um uh tell you this statement that is on the youngminds.org website so it says in the uk black british people are more likely to be diagnosed with psychosis to encounter inpatient uh, uh to encounter inpatient mental health services and to be detained under the mental health act than more than white people so essentially what that's saying is we're more likely to suffer from mental illness than our white counterparts, whatever our age is. So I wanted to ask you guys, what do you think about mental illness? So first of all, what do you guys think it is? Well, when you're mentally unwell, you know, when you're walking down the road and then you just... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I sorry, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. Oh my word. No. I'm sorry, that is very rude and disrespectful. But mental illness is obviously when, um, to be honest... I swear there's two different things. There's such a thing as, as mental illness and mental, um, mental oh. health Disab- yeah. or mental disability. I don't know. I think, I think, I think you're about to break it down anyway, Kate. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you guys the, um, one of the official... Um, you're not right in the head. Definitions. Definitions? Yeah, definitions. So this is from the Mayo Clinic, which is in the States. So um, uh, mental illness, a.k.a. a mental health disorder, refers to a wide range of health um, conditions. These affect your mood, your thoughts and your behaviours. Lots of people in society have mental health concerns from time to time, but it becomes a mental health illness when the ongoing signs and symptoms cause stress or affect your ability to function regularly in society. I, mean, yes. I know people that have suffered um, like anxiety attacks, mm-hmm. and that's mainly due to like stress or... Um, you know, feeling some type of way about maybe like a condition or something that they were suffering, which caused like panic attacks. And then it obviously becomes more of like a long-term thing where they suffer from anxiety. Mm. So for example, like one of my uncles, like he's got, um, like he's got arthritis. So sometimes what can happen is obviously he has pain in his back. Mm. And sometimes when he feels that pain, like for example, if he's sleeping and all of a sudden he gets like a sharp pain, then he'll have like a, like a panic attack. And he'll just wow. get up and he'll see sweating and he just wow. he's looking for some something to just sort of ease the anxiety and find comfort in something. So yeah. that's my like example of um, know, experience. Pain can, be, like can be linked with like mental illness because before, because I used to get really bad back pain. Like, there was even a time where I even had like sciatica for a bit, and they said to 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 stop yourself from uh, you know they gave me something. They gave me um, antidepressants, so then it kind of numbs the nerves, so then your brain would not feel the pain as much. But it's like those two things you wouldn't think were linked. But then it's funny you say that because he was feeling pain, you know, and then it was linked to his like his, his mental his mental health, yeah, which is quite strange. So it's like the two are kind of interlinked. But then it's like it just comes down to how the body's wired, isn't it? It's true. Is is um, PTSD a mental? Yeah. 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 Yes, it okay. is. I think, yeah, I've kind of suffered that. Um, obviously, when I was young, you know, coming home from a late night, trying to move ladies and that, um, walking down the road. What? Walking down the road, um, there was a super bike. Wait, that's how you got PTSD? Wait, let him finish his story, man. What's wrong let with you? Let's hear let's him out. Let's hear him out. Let's hear him out. Let's see. Let's see. Why does... Anyway... No, I think have to be linked with with with, with moving. No, no, let him, let, can you just let him land, please? No, I want to hear the mad. story. 
Yeah, but that's, like, I, was, I was 16 years old. I used to go out and try to talk to girls. Is that an issue? Is that all right with you, Kenneth? <laughs> uh, so finish your story. Finish you got something story. else, mate. Yo, so basically, I was walking down the road. Um, it was about eleven o'clock at night, I think. Yeah, and I saw a superbike coming up the road, didn't it? Superbike was coming fast, and there was someone at the back of it. So, like, I'm walking down my road. There's normally a blue van, so I'm like, let me try and get to this blue van quick in case this guy try to do something, innit? So when I'm walking, I see the guy stretch out his hand. So I've ducked and I've just got to the blue van quick, and like they shot the the, the van. I have, I had four shots. So I just started zatting, bro. I started running, like, obviously ducking my head and that. And I got to the end of the road. I dropped my MP3 and everything. My boy was at the end of the road. He goes, oh, them men are, like, they're idiots. Like, do you know what I mean? Obviously, I'm not going to use the words they used. But mm. there are any guys, you know, they tried to move to us. Obviously, we tried to move to them. And then, obviously, they zoomed off on the superbike. But, like, I did not know it was empty shells, in it. So I'm just thinking that this guy's trying to shoot at me for no reason. Yeah. But, like, for a good... Yeah, yeah. I would not walk down that road at night. And like, whenever I saw a superbike or anything in the night, like when I'm going home from wherever obviously I've been, I would just bear parallel. I would just be looking like, I would kind of like tense up and be ready to run or do something. Do you get what I mean? So it was a bit... Yeah, but that's expected, of course. I mean, so, Eddie, yeah, Eddie, I've got a question for you. But it's it's also not expected. Like people, I, um, sorry, I'll let Mike finish. No, I mean, I, what no. I mean is that obviously, if something like that was to happen, then you're expected to. You wouldn't walk down that same road again. I didn't know I was 16, bro. Like, how are you gonna? Like, yeah, that's what. As, that's what I'm gonna ask you. You're, you're you're smart enough, <laughs> Eddie. Like, obviously, now would you say now you know it is PTSD, but back then you didn't know. Mm. I, I knew about P- yeah. Now I know it's about it's PTSD because. A lot of okay. people are talking about it, and yeah, you know, people are talking about their stories. I'm like, right, okay. So normally, the other thing that's an, that's like, I wouldn't think that's PTSD. Like, do you know what mm. I mean? I'll just be like, yeah, it happened, cool. But I still tense up when certain situations yeah. happen, in it. Yeah. Did it? Did it yeah, affect you in like any? Did it affect you in any other like forms of of your life? Like, work, did it affect you in your ability to perform? He's trying to give yet. you a heartfelt story and you're just No, no, no man. Low, bro. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. Yeah, no, obviously I understand I, it. I, I did not get shot in it, like it was empty shells. So the only the only thing it affected was when I'm when I'm going home at night by myself after like chilling with my boys and that. Um if I see, you know, a moving vehicle coming fast at me. I'm like apprehensive in it, and then at times as well, it changed my route home. So I started using okay. the back route to go home to try avoid yeah. any sort of altercation or any sort of like reoccurrence. So yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, no, it's it's dangerous. I mean, yeah, growing up. The thing is, I, I never told told my mom, my brother, my sister, no one because I felt like at the time when I was young, I felt like if I told them, they're gonna think that I'm into a gang and that's why I'm. Do you know what I mean? That they're I gonna send any, you back to Ghana. <laughs> no, but you're like you're like laughing. That's probably what happened. No, I wouldn't. No, 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 no. You know these kind of things. Africans they don't tend to believe in these kind of things. Well, that's, that actually it. brings me to uh, my next point. So the stigma around mental health. So I was speaking with my mom. My mom is a registered mental health nurse. She's been doing it for a very long time. Mental health disorders like psychosis disproportionately affect um, Black Africans because of a few things, but in her opinion, the the three main things are one, we don't believe in stress as a thing. We don't believe in depression. We don't believe in anxiety. We don't even, and my parents are an example of that. This is not a mental health disorder, but I have dyslexia. My parents were told when I was at primary school, when I was at secondary school, when I was at college, they refused to believe it. They said she can read. She reads her Bible every day. So what are you talking about? (laughs) 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 And uh, because of that, they would force me to read in front of the church. Like I would be the person who has to come out and read. And I have actual like anxiety about public speaking. People don't understand. Understand. Really? I genuinely, I start sweating. What? I have palpitations. Okay, I would never believe that. Exactly. You are like I had one to... of the best public speakers that I know. <laughs> you must but have I, overcome that big time. I had to learn to to suppress that feeling. Um, mm. 
so those people that know me, I used to work for the challenge, which worked with young people. Yeah. And one time I was a program leader. And part of that is at the beginning of it, you have to make a speech to like your 60 young people and, and your staff. When I tell you, Ola was there, Ola will tell you, I was sweating. I had to change my shirt. I had a massive panic attack because although I stand and I give all these speeches and stuff, it takes me a while to gear myself up to do that. And all of a sudden it was like, you have to go do the speech. And I was like, wait, what? I have to, I have to do a speech. And what I ended up doing was getting my um, assistant PM to do a rap. I rapped in front of 60 young people. I can't even tell you. It started off with, my name is Kay and I'm your program leader. Like it was rubbish. It was the worst rap I've ever done in my life. That's worse than than yeah, but it, in my What's head... What's the reaction from them, from the kids? I, Sorry, just, just... I mean, at first, they all kind of looked at each other. And then I was like, clap your hands. And then they all started clapping. And they kind of got into it. And at okay. the end, one of the young people came up to me and was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> She's like, what you did was crazy. Like, it's actually really brave. Um, yeah. I could never do that. And I was like, yeah, in life, you just have to, you know, do things escape. But... It, my parents doing what they did forced me to be more outgoing than I would have been if they hadn't. Does that make sense? Yeah, and in that, that that is so, a type of. I don't so they did the right thing in the end. Well, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. No, they didn't know. That's a good question. If like black people, African Caribbeans, whoever, were more accepting of mental health, do you think there would be less cases of it? Yeah, so disproportionately, we suffer from psychosis. So psychosis is when you hear voices or you see things that aren't there. So my mom said that one of the things that happens is when people start to hear that, especially if you're in the Christian community, they'll tell you to pray. Hey, demon. They'll say that there's a demon and we'll cast it out. (laughs) The doppy comes for me. Exactly. And, and or otherwise, what you'll do is you're, you won't tell anyone because you're afraid of what yeah. your family members might say, what your church yeah. might say, what your work people might say. Absolutely. And it causes you to go into a deeper depression. Everybody mm. in themselves knows what it feels like to feel good and to feel bad. And when you start to feel bad, if you don't, I want to say explore, but it's more talk about it or tell somebody about it, that thing just... Um, it it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until yeah. you can't control it and you can't you can't stop it you can't help it and that's the point where we see a lot of young um, black boys especially end up in certain situations so one of the things that disproportionately affects us is the criminal justice system uh, in 2016 a report on on youth justice found that in England and Wales, over 40% of children from BME backgrounds and more than one third of those young people who were incarcerated had mental health problems. So essentially, when they get into the court system and the judicial system, before anyone even considers, does this young person have a mental health issue, they will lock them away. So therefore, they go to prison or juvenile delinquent centres with a mental health problem that's undiagnosed. They get treated badly in there, as everyone does, it's prison. They get treated badly in there and that mental health health issue can then spiral and so even if they come out and they've been like a model worse yeah that that mental health issue has not been addressed so then you're bringing someone back into society that hasn't learned to cope or live with or had the medication to help them work out what those issues are always the right answer to obviously mental health though i think it depends there are lots of people that suggest that the holistic approach so meditation yoga um some people take herbal remedies as opposed to that my mom says remedies what do you mean so like um uh, like some people take like aloe vera with something and something and something and it's like they they'll smell it and that the 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 smell of it soothes their senses what about essential oils as well i've heard essential oils that kind of stuff so just like relaxing yourself so my mom says for her she prays in the morning and when she prays she feels more relaxed like a form of meditation like a form of meditation so everybody has their own thing that like when you're stressed some people go to the gym and they just work out all that yeah i go to the gym that's me but obviously people like eddie and that though one is you smoke weed eddie you smoke weed eddie's a rasta right he's a proper do you really you know what kenneth is what kenneth is stereotyping because i've got dreadlocks <laughs> like, the other day I saw someone and I thought it was Eddie. I nearly collapsed. I swear to God. <laughs> he saw someone with a black guy. So and I said to him, if a, a white person said that, you would deem him racist. That's true. No, because the person actually looked like you. He did not look like me. 
Did he have dreads? dreads? He looked like locks. Did he have locks or dreads? He had a video, Mike. Oh, that one. <laughs> <laughs> like, nah, you know, the same stature, everything. Nah, it didn't look like him, man. The guy was chunky, bro. I'm not chunky, bro. I mean, you do have a bit of a belly. I had. Oh, you've been working out, yeah. No, no, no. I just been sitting there, you know, it's quarantining like you. Mm. Anyway, um, so, um, no, so no, the true. other what one the, of the other know, reasons. Oh, go on. I was going to no, say one of the other reasons. Videos, um, oh. and then the guy was talking there at the BBC. Um, on BBC, he was saying the lady was saying, obviously, due to living in the ghettos and mm. the environment, it plays a major part in um, mental health as well. Yeah. So I think. Um, so that same thing applies in the UK. So they did another social, uh, another study on social and economic inequalities, and it said that the BAME. BA, yeah, I said that right. The BAME communities are faced with uh, disadvantages in society, in society like poverty, poorer education, higher unemployment numbers, and more contact with the judicial system, which means that they're facing more stresses and more um, pressures on their on their lives. So, for example, among 16 to 24 year olds, unemployment uh, were raised higher for. Uh, black people by 26%, whereas the white counterparts were 11%, Pakistani and Bangladeshi were 23%. So therefore, why would you not assume that young black people, male or female, are more stressed, have more social pressures on life? They probably have more issues that they're dealing with. So their housing isn't adequate and they're trying to move out of that situation, but they're not getting the education that they should be receiving. Whereas a friend who lives maybe a borough over is getting that education and is able to move themselves out of poverty. I think I think overcrowding in the houses as well help, um, doesn't help as well. Yeah, you know, yeah no, being on top of your, your your siblings and your parents, mm. it can be very crazy. Aunties and uncles yeah, sometimes you, as well. You yeah. could say the same for like the Indian community as well because they definitely tend to be overcrowded in their houses, obviously by choice. I mean, that, let's not say that allegedly by choice. Allegedly <laughs> by choice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> obviously. But the one thing, the one thing that we. Um, we do have in common in terms of with the the Indian and Asian um, Indian and Asian uh, sorry the Asian community is Indian that and Asian. We, <laughs> we are consistently have higher rates of poverty with with them so we're all kind of lumped together as well as when we do get jobs black people for the most part are paid on average less and obviously women are paid on average less less than that and homelessness affects um, BAME at a rate of thirty seven percent. So therefore, in terms of our social status, we already have those pressures that we're dealing with. Then on top of that, you want to add your community pressures or your your cultural pressures, then the um, injustices with the criminal justice system. And if you don't even face that, the number one issue that faces BAMEs and and to do with their mental health is racism and discrimination. So research suggests... Oh, go on. No, I was going to say, are they getting underpaid because they're not getting the top jobs? Is that what you mean? Or... No, I think they're just being underpaid because they're people of colour. Just in general, we're, we're paid. I could go for a job and it could, be, it could be advertised at 30k. But yep. because they see me, I've got the credentials and they, they want to hire me, they're going to offer it to me for 25k. Yeah, and then it's up to you to negotiate. So the issue with that is, I don't think as a people, I don't think whether that's black or... Well, actually, I think BAMEs are not taught the art of negotiation. So when I got my job... No, I generally think that, like, you're not taught it in school as much as someone else is. My parents didn't really negotiate. You're kind of told, you do what I say, and there's no back and forth. We We don't get to discuss it. Even when you think about when you go to church, you're not discussing in in Sunday school. They're like, this is what happens. Whereas if you go to like my white counterparts and stuff, when I went to holiday clubs or when I went horse riding with them, there's this negotiation that goes on. The conversation isn't one-sided because that's the adult or that's the person in charge. Mm. There There is a, oh, but I would like to do it this way. And they're like, well, why would you like to do it this way? This is why I would like to do it this way. Tell me when you had a conversation when you were younger with your parents where you negotiated with them. Was it negotiation? Was it, why are you talking? <laughs> True. Exactly. So, and because we're not taught that, when we go into the working world, we don't do that. So if we don't do it from like when you first start your first job, when you get into your third or fourth job, are you going to do it then? 
unless you're mm. someone who's actually picked that up and like you kind of listen to the people around you you're like oh like you really shouldn't well that's yeah that's how you normally learn to be honest they definitely didn't teach it in schools basically racism and discrimination accounts for a large proportion of why black people suffer from psychosis and depression if you think about the stressful situation that you're put under and the negative effect that racism and discrimination has on you and for me i know what i learned about the slave trade i learned about it at school and the weight that i felt from learning about it made me feel some type of way and it made me look at myself in a way that I wouldn't do now but when I was like 13 14 I felt like there was something wrong with me and then you kind of walk through life feeling like oh like this thing has been done to me it's never going to change everyone's going to see me this way and that also adds to the stress and the pressures of being a, a young black person living in the UK yeah I think I think when um kids are taught very young um about slavery and things it can be you know it can be detrimental to their health, their mental health because as a child you you absorb a lot but you don't know how to keep what you what you need to keep and obviously you know put aside the other feelings and issues it's mad because obviously when i think back at it when i was young yeah i never thought as much as i think now i think if i did when i was like in my teenage years i'll be a totally different person like seriously so do you think you'd still be friends with us um yeah there's I too much I'd, hesitation. I mean, <laughs> of course, I would still be friends with UK. I don't know about that. Oh, thanks, but, guys. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Charming. <laughs> Kenneth but, don't even care. Kenneth don't care. Ken, listen, the thing with Kenneth here, if it doesn't affect him, he's not giving a damn. No, come on. But, nah, but real talk, though, we need to, like, as a community, we need to talk about mental health because the littlest things that we don't think is mental health becomes... A, a major thing in, in the future because you're not trying to like and I think the pick. thing is a lot of a lot of males black males as well see it as a weakness mm-hmm. you know and it shouldn't be looked at like that especially it's like with anxiety especially it's like even some of the, the music sometimes I listen to it's like a lot of it is based around you know anxiety like um mm-hmm. For example, Beanie Seagulls, I Can Feel It In The Air. You know, it's one of my favourite songs of all time, but that song is actually talking about, you know, his anxiety. He goes, something's going on. Like, you know, I can feel it, something strange. Like, you know, I, I can, he's, he's, he's literally talking about anxiety. And funnily enough, um, a book I read recently was a book by Charlemagne. Um, it's called, it, it's about anxiety. It, um, it's, it's called Anxiety. My mind's playing tricks on me, I feel, I, I think. And he literally talks about, sorry? It's called Shook One. Shook one, yeah, shook one, yeah, my, my anxiety playing tricks on me. And it's like, he, he talks about how he suffered from anxiety, you know, in in a mad way, in immense, it, it got to a stage where he was driving, but that's because he was, you know, a heavy smoker of weed. So it got to a stage where he'll be driving home, police are driving behind him, and he's just so tense. He's so tense at the wheel. And then he sees himself in the passenger seat looking at him like, you know, they're going to pull you over. They're going to pull you over. You need wow. to speed up. You need to speed over. He's done nothing wrong. He's just driving. I mean, obviously, with the situation in America and everything like that as well, that could account to it. But it's like, he, he was just explaining that he didn't know why he was getting so uptight. He was driving in his own neighborhood to his own house, like five blocks away from his house. But because he saw the sirens, he started to panic. And then when the car started to speed up behind him, him he it wasn't even a police car sorry it was a normal car when the car started to speed up behind him he thought yep they're gonna drive past they're gonna probably shoot into my car but it wasn't the case they were just you know it was just some kid blasting some music in the car speeding past just to zoom past him so it's like when your anxiety gets to that that stage or that level of intensity then it's like it's a time where you need to seek advice and he what he took to overcome it is he went to counseling Mm. And it's like, you know, he sought help, he sought advice, and he, he, I don't know if he was prescribed medication, but, you know, the counselling helped him through it and helped him um, come up with ways on how he, he could deal with it. But I think that's one sense. And even, like, recently, Stormzy was saying, you know, in one of his songs, I don't remember what song it was, that he does, he goes to counselling as well. And it's like, you wouldn't think someone from that background, especially, would go through counselling. But what you've got to understand is young black men in the UK that have grown up in, let's say, the hood and, you know, grown up in, you know, in, in, I don't know, gang situations around the wrong people. Maybe they've seen people get stabbed 
at little 12, 13, 14 years old, you've seen someone get stabbed. That is not something a child should be seeing. You know, you, you're seeing people get robbed, people get beaten up, you know, people without being able to defend themselves and, and things like that. These aren't things that young children should be seeing. And then they, they're growing up with like their guard up all the time, afraid mm. to let people in. They don't look at women as, you know, equal, so to speak. They look at women as, oh yeah, I'm going to beat, yeah, I'm going to beat that. They don't know how to talk to women growing up. It's like, okay, I'm sure you've been walking down the road and you see some 14, 15 year old try yeah. talking. You're thinking, hold on, I'm a big woman. Like, you're a child. <laughs> you no, know, but it happens because they're, they're not taught these kind yeah, of right. things. So it's hey, like, K's an avatar, it, as much as not. Yeah, <laughs> my said K's wow. an avatar. But, you know, when you grow up in these kind of situations, you grow up a lot faster than you should. Well, you think um, you grow up a lot faster because that's the thing. That's, yeah, exactly. That's, well, you think it's you a grow false up, reality. Well, you're exposed almost. to a lot of a lot of things that you probably should not be exposed to at such a young age. For example, even things like sex. I mean, mm. you, you shouldn't. Well, I say you shouldn't, but you know, realistically, you should be of a certain age before you get exposed to these certain things. But when you're nine, ten, and you're out with the man, them, and they're like, all oh, they're talking about is sex, 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 sex. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw a porn magazine, I was so baffed. I was in like, I think I was. In, I was in school, it was secondary school, like year seven. And I think one of the one of the white kids brought a magazine in and then he was showing the magazine one woman with her legs open. I was I was like, what the fuck is this? Like no, really. I swear to God, and I was so bad. And then one of my boys as well, we, <laughs> I'm not gonna shout him out, but <laughs> we was at his house and he opened his dad's his dad's briefcase. And there were like 20 porn mags in there. It was crazy. <laughs> magazines and DVDs. And we used to chill at the house and watch the DVDs. No, you bad. didn't. I swear down. I swear down. Did you like to catch each other? No, I'm <laughs> but, yeah. Look, now <laughs> is the time to tell us your yeah, deepest no, yeah, you're, you're an idiot. But yeah, this is like, you know, stuff that you shouldn't be exposed to. As okay, child, cut, but, cut the thing, yeah. Like one of the teasers should be kind of saying, watching porn with man them. Don't do that! Don't do that! Don't do that! I'll put it at the start of the teaser. Everyone's like, "Wait, what?" But yeah, no. Kenneth, just say I I liked it. No, I'm not gonna say that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not gonna say that. But yeah, it's like these are things that. So then it's like, but I suppose it's not just young black men as well because. When young men in general just grow up looking at things they shouldn't, or going and ex- going through and experiencing things they shouldn't be going through, that is like it's like when someone seeks asylum, comes to the UK, and the country they've been in is like you know under war, or you know maybe they've come from the Gaza Strip or or something like that, and it's like they they've experienced so much, then they're expected to come into the UK and then go into the school system and just be a normal kid in class learning maths and English. It's right. like I've just and, seen and just my cousin get blown up the other day. My mind is not in the right place. It's like Correct. that that could have a big impact on your mental health. So it, it, yeah, but can we blame do you know what it is as well? Like we can't we can sit here and say yeah the African household. If our parents never had that guidance or that support how can they give it on to us? We've got to understand some people, when they grow up, they don't have the experiences that others do. So they don't know how to react. Where Kay was saying, oh yeah, they'll say, you know, stand in front of the church and, and read. What do you mean you have, you're dyslexic? That's nothing, that's nothing to do with us. Like, you're just... But then look nothing. at Kay now, though. That's what I'm saying. So, like, they helped her without knowing that they got, like, what, yeah, what they, they did... They traumatised me. What are you yeah, doing? Okay, <laughs> look at you now. Well, look at you now. <laughs> look at you now. You can read, like, you, you can see the words. It's mad. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so what you're saying is that they, they, really. yeah, they helped they her without... They put you in that the pen and said, swim. Yeah, but the food you're in you drown so, a little bit. <laughs> okay, so so to use your analogy, mm-hmm. they threw me in the dip, they threw me in at the deep end and said, "Swim." What if I'd actually drowned? But you didn't. Uh, but I don't yeah, but that, but you're saying for every for for every but one of me, there's got to be <laughs> yeah. But for <laughs> every one of me, there's got to be like three or four who didn't get that because my sister Kem's got that same treatment. She was forced to start. Kemina doesn't talk. Kemp okay. doesn't, she hates public speaking. She won't argue with anyone. That The the same experience I had, she had. She's two years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And we are complete opposites of the spectrum, but we have the yeah. exact same upbringing. Yeah. 
So it doesn't, that, that way of teaching or parenting mm. isn't necessarily the best. I, I think you're right in that if your parents weren't taught it, they can't teach it. But at the same time, parents also need to take advice. Like my yeah. parents were advised. It's not like nobody told them. So they chose because of their culture, because of their faith, because of where they're they, from to yeah. ignore the advice. Do you think if they had like children now, let's say another child now, they would treat them the same way they treated you, yourself and your siblings? Yeah. No, and I say that because, because my even mom is a mental health brother, professional. Was your, was your youngest brother yeah. brought up in the same way you were brought up? Yes, I know. But because by the time Moses was like old enough, mm-hmm. my mum was already start, had already qualified as a mental health nurse. She, so how she teach, how, how okay and Moses are, like I call them disrespectful. I say they're rude because the, the, the leniency that they got given mm. to what me and my sister got is completely different. But my mum says society had changed yeah, by that's the time society. I had that's them. exactly what I was going to say. Society. It's, it's, it's mad because uh, but me, I got beaten almost every day if I got yes. phone call hey. from school. I was just used to getting beaten like you know and my dad's got a coffee I've got younger siblings in it <laughs> he's a man <laughs> my, dad, my youngest um one of my younger siblings he's in school he's um where's he six he's six or seven I don't know but yeah basically he's um I think my dad was just telling him off so when he was in school, he told the teacher that, oh, my daddy did this to me, blah, 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 this and that. And then one time when my dad went to pick him up oh. from school, the teachers called him in to have a chat. Oh, no. <laughs> As if he was Yeah. And this young, and, he, and you know he's young, you don't know what he's talking about. He's just, and the thing is, my dad doesn't beat them. Like, compared to how he, he I was brought up, me and my right. older sister mm-hmm. brought up, and how he and the younger ones have been brought up, it's nothing like that. But it's like... It's because you've got to be careful now, isn't it? Yeah. So it was just mad. They actually called him and he had a conversation when he was telling me, I think he was telling me, or my sister was telling me, I was I was so baffled. Like, how would he even... Who would have put that in his head to do that? It's when you're in PHSE and, they, and they're like, this is how you should have conversations with adults. An adult should never be able to put their hands on you. And then, and then your brain goes, what does that mean? And they're like, your parents should never hit you. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Good luck with that. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but to be honest, I think, I think you know, there's, I there's call a it hitting. I, I mean, I wouldn't call it hitting. I'll call it discipline. Yeah, of course. I, I agree. When I, when I have kids, they're going to get the heck disciplined out of them. But why, kid? Why are you going to beat your children? Because it works for me. You just said I turned out great. What are you talking about? She yeah, you did, but, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a different generation now. To repeat it. It's a different generation yeah, I, now. I, I You're do going have to beat your children. I'm going to discipline them. I'm not going to punch them in the face. <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> yeah, because that's actually... Guys, everyone listening, okay? She <laughs> <laughs> just said she's going to discipline... <laughs> she hasn't I'm gonna said get. I'm gonna get. get um. I'm gonna have a belt for them and a bamboo. Wow. Bam- My dad had a belt. Each one of us had a belt in his closet, and he said, "Go get your belt." And you know which one to get. Your dad was militant, boy. That's a shock. That's normal. This what happened in the UK, yeah. I said I have my own belt. Yeah, this is, I was born and raised in England. You know, the sugarcane bamboo. And he carved our names crazy. into each one. So each one of us had one stick. And he would just leave it on display as a reminder. That's why when and I then he would say, go get, go get your cane. That's, like, why, that's yeah. why when I met your dad, we, we, we automatically just knew that, yes, we like each other. Then you're going to discipline your, you're gonna beat your children. I said I'm going to discipline. Stop saying beat, bro. What's wrong with you? You're going to smack your children. No, then. discipline can mean so many different things. Now you you can kneel on the floor. Okay. You so how would, how would you up. discipline? How would you discipline mm-hmm. your child? How? Yeah. First of all, I'll talk to them and ensure that they understand what I'm trying to say to them is like, listen, this is wrong. You should not do this. Because <laughs> because what if they're not getting it? Yeah, what if they say why? Why, daddy? I'll give them a reason why. What's reason. the reason, Daddy? No, I want to do it. You should not watch porn like someone did that in the SA. Genius said that's fine. Genius said I can tell you to shut up. Do we think the disciplining that we received, do you think that affected our mental health? Oh, yeah, absolutely. How? Absolutely. Of course it did. Because, because it taught me to respect my elders. And but how is that about so long to break that barrier one day, the day when I had that argument with my mum. And I was like, you know, that, that was a coming of age story. I should even write a book. 
It's crazy. <laughs> it's just, it was just mad. I like he just lost his virginity, bro. Like, yeah, it felt like that. <laughs> it felt like that. Have you, have you ever, guys, have, have, have you, do you know what power comes with standing up to your oppressor? <laughs> your oh, oppressor? Your mom as your oppressor, bro. For, for a stage of my life, it felt like that. I'm not going to lie. Wow. But, yeah, no, obviously, come on. Like, yeah, yeah, everything's blessed now. But it's like, yeah, I was so scared of my parents. I think, hey, you can concur. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, anything you do, you'd, you'd think twice. I think that does affect your... But did, okay, but did you but I don't suffer? know if that's a negative thing for me. I feel like yeah. that turns into respect. And also, like, it's, it's like... I said um, I wanted to go out during quarantine, and my dad said, "Go out where." <laughs> that, yeah. that that level of respect okay, and fear. At this, your big age, you're still scared of your dad. Now I'm joking. No, but do you know why? Yeah, do you know why your parents? Like, parents? You can't fight your parents. Huh? Yeah, you can't hit your parents. Like, I've tried, them, mate. Obviously, show them that, you know, like, I'm not small no more. Do you know what I mean? Like, look that's all work in my dad's, dad's house. Right. Checking if my dad's listening. <laughs> all right, can I? Yes, sir. Okay, sorry, sir. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, I'm joking, but obviously, come on, man, okay? It gets to a level where you've got to show them that you're not a dickhead no more, man. Well, yeah, then, you can say that, but the fact is, your parents will still always be able to send you message. They'll still always be able to tell you. Nah, look, my dad will tell me now. You live, you live in Spain, right? You have a car, you have a job, whatever, whatever. If I tell you to go wash the plates, are you going to tell me no? The answer to that is no. I'm not going to tell you no. No, no, but that's a sense of that. That, that that's respect, right? That's no, but but it's still there's still a level of fear there because I can say no, and I'll still be afraid. Way you're like, gonna come back to the house there. where your <laughs> siblings have left their plates in the sink and you're expected to wash those plates. Yeah, that's what I was arguing about this whole time. And then my dad conked me. Well, at your age, oh, no, wait, Kenneth's acting right now. Kenneth, I've yeah, been to Kenneth's house, yeah, well, when he's living with his um. And he, yeah, he but watches, Eddie, he does it. He does the dishes, man. Don't. Obviously, come. Do you know what? Because I feel bad for him. The guy's old and all this and that. Just because, listen. Just because you have the power doesn't mean you need to use it all the time. That's not old, old man. He's not. Yeah, he's getting there. He's getting there. He's like, you know, he's pushing seventy now. I think. No, my dad is seventy. Right. Old, I don't even know how old he is exactly, but he's, he's getting there. He dyes his hair basically. <laughs> my dad is seventy-four, blood. So he's a... see. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, these guys are old. I just do it for him because it just is what it is. Like, do you know what I mean? It's just. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Mike, Mike, did your dad used to be right? No, but then when he gets nah. to the stage, you think like, oh, why would my mum did? Like, it's mine now. Hold on, well, my mum beat you. My dad never beat you. Nah, he didn't beat me, though. Is it? Nah, man. But I didn't really live with no, him like that, though. I, I think they kind of took turns. There was years where it was my mum. <laughs> Split when it was some few years it was my dad, then it flipped back some few years it was my mum, and then that's when obviously I did the whole yeah. smash thing, and then boom. Hey, no like he was moving from plantation to plantation. plantation. Okay, so sorry, I was just gonna say, how can we as a community support one another? I think, to be honest, I think the best way to support someone with mental health is talking. I don't know if you guys saw the campaigns that was were going on recently. It's like, just sometimes pick up the phone, call your friend, ask mm. them how they are. Because you never know, yeah. they could be in a, in, a, in a low place. Especially if it's someone you know, like, I don't know, lives by themselves or is alone majority of the time. I mean, sometimes, not everybody can, can handle being alone. Um, yeah. So it's like it's always good to to give someone a call, just give them a conversation because you don't know how much that does for a person. You'll remember this. I had a whole like freak out. I don't want to call it a freak out because I feel like that diminishes how what the situation was. But essentially, after I moved to Spain, I was feeling really isolated and really just like alone and I felt like my friends didn't really understand like no one had called me no one had texted me no one had checked on me and I, I remember I think I left a voice note in our in our unifam group but I just kind of went off right and I kind of left it as like do you know what? I said what I said and then we'll just leave it as that and then I just got a barrage of like phone calls and messages mm-hmm. and Aaron was like on the phone with me for like three hours like I yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was That's just Aaron. like look like no one's expecting you to like 
like figure it all out. No one's expecting you to like know all the answers. Like you, you can like freak out. Every like everyone does it. It's okay. But just can you just call someone and freak yeah. out? Can you not do it on a voice note so everyone feels like Good. something? like something bad's going to happen. And I think after that situation, my mind kind of went to like, oh, my friends are a support system. Yeah. My friends are people that I can like tell mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not okay and I don't know how yeah. to deal with it. Yeah. And then together as a, as a team, we'll figure you it out. Figure and it I don't out. know if everybody has that. I don't know if everybody I feels that. that they've got somebody or, exactly. or a group of people to have that conversation with. So that's something that you guys did for me that I didn't realise that, like, I was, I was freaking out. And then mm. I was like, oh, okay, no, this is a natural yeah. thing. Because sometimes it's okay not to be okay, you know? Like, sometimes you might just be sitting there just feeling like, shit, you know, my life ain't right or my life ain't where, it, where it's supposed to be right now. And then if you keep thinking and thinking and thinking like that, just letting it build up, build up, build up, soon it's going to lead yourself into depression. You're going to lead yourself into depression. So it's like, yeah. and a lot of people do that. A lot of people set themselves targets that are un, not unrealistic, but because they see, like, social media doesn't help, mm. like, when I'm 30, I want to be married. I want to have the yeah. house. I want to have the kids, all this and that. They get to 29 and it's like, oh shit, no boyfriend, <laughs> like no savings, like <laughs> no, no baby. Like, I got no garden. I, garden. I keep telling you guys, I ain't got garden. <laughs> okay, you in this garden, like, <laughs> <laughs> just put some fake grass on your balcony, you'll be fine. Like, you know what I mean? But it's like, you know, it's, it's, it, 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 we, a lot of people do that. And then when it gets to the stage where they, where they, um, they don't achieve that, it's like, what now? Like, shit, is my life even worth living? Mm. It, it took me to get up until, like, 30 years old before things started going right for me. Like, I never I never had good credit, you know? Okay, fair enough, I was in a relationship, but it's like everything kind of took time to come into place, and everybody's time is different. As they mm. say, it's like God's timing, you know? Mm. So if I used to always set myself a target, like, boom, 18. Remember, mm. I, went, I went in when I was 18. I was very young. So, oh, I every- that. so did I. We all did that. <laughs> like you were sixteen. You know, like nineteen, twenty. I was. All right, I was seventeen. I was eighteen. I was seventeen going on eighteen. I was seventeen when I was in Yeah, you was twenty-five when you were uni. So stop it. You was eighteen at uni, bro. Okay. Yeah, I turned eighteen as soon as I went uni. So to be fair, I was twenty when I went still. Oh, were you? Exactly. There you go. Uni was thirty-five. So old, but now when you think about it, it's it's very young. You know. So it's like, you think, boom, I've done this. Your parents say, yeah, go to uni, go to uni, go to uni. And then what? Then what Finish happens? Uni, no job. Yeah. You're working here. You're working there. You're working here. And it's your no. same parents that will be cussing you. That Look at your Absolutely. degree. You don't have no job. Yeah. You don't have no house. No car. <laughs> you can't even give me small 20 pounds so I can go Tesco. Sorry. Absolutely. What? Because there's a time, <laughs> I think, even when I was living in Luton, actually, like after, after I finished studying, I was living in Luton. Well, I was living with Tristan. So one of my friends, Tristan, is one of my good friends. So it's like, I was just there. We were just living in his, it was like his one bedroom council flat. I had the living room. He had the bedroom. Do you know what I mean? Just, and it, it's like, I was just working in just a normal average job. I think I was earning what, like 17K a year. It was just like, go work, come back, nothing. Go work, come back, nothing. Go work, nothing. And it was like that for like, for like two years, nearly three years. And I feel like in that stage, I was probably at my lowest point. Because it's like I would think like where 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 do I break how where how do I break the cycle? Mm. What happens now? It's like I'm just here. Like there's nothing I can do. Obviously, there was a lot going on back at home as well. So it's like I mean, during the time my parents are separated, so it's not like I had a stable home to go back to, you know. Because before, while I was studying, when I would go back home, that would be my escape. Mm. But then after a while that went away. So I never had an escape. So I was co- just constantly in that cycle. Fair enough. I have my friends there, but you don't always like, they're not, they weren't really the, the, the type of friends that I always wanted to go to and talk to about certain things. Like, so it was, it was, I was in a very low state and it wasn't until I started coming back to London more often. And I realized, Oh, I've actually got people here that care about me. It was actually one of my good friends. His mother passed away. And then I came to London for the funeral. Now I saw so many of my, my, my friends that I knew growing up, so many of like my family and everything like that, that were all there. And then I thought, you know what? I still have like a good support system here. So there's a lot of people. And that's when I made my decision to move back to London. Um, so I started looking for jobs, you know, in London to come back, to be close to the, to the people that I wanted to be close to. 
Mm. And that's when I feel like my life started to change, you know? So it's like you, you need those people around you. And if you're just stuck in a certain place, like for a, a set amount of time for so long, it's like, in essence, being in a jail cell. Mm. And it's not good. It's not good. because And yeah, even Tristan moved back to London as well. And I'm sure he'll tell you exactly the same thing once he moved back and he was around his family, his friends and everything like that. His life started to change for the better. Mm. So it's difficult when you're when you're when you're stuck when you find yourself stuck in a cycle and you don't see a way out, you don't see any progression, and you feel like you're doing the same thing constantly and constantly and constantly again uh, um, in a cycle. Sorry, constantly and constantly and constantly, constantly. I've completely lost where I was. How many times you gonna say constantly? <laughs> I've, I've, I've lost a point. I, I can't okay. even land no more. I've lost it. But you guys, you know, yeah, when, when you're when you're when you're stuck in a rut, you yeah. need like when you're stuck. Yeah, when you're stuck in a cycle, it's like Groundhog Day, basically. Mm-hmm. Do you guys yeah. know what Groundhog Day is? Yeah. Do you think that the pressures of being a black man in the UK are more difficult when you've done all of the things people have said you're supposed? You've hit all those milestones. So, for example, you went to uni, you you have a job, you have. Do you still feel like you can feel societal pressures? Not really, you know, because um, I I do believe that is the pressures of being a, a black man, black person, because that's that's what you've been brought up to achieve, like go uni, get a job, get married, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I feel like once you've achieved those things, it kind of relieves a little bit of pressure. But then the problem now is you as an individual and how you motivate yourself to do more. Because I think what can tend to happen is that people get comfortable and, and sort of mm-hmm. set in their ways and they don't progress from that. So you could you could do, you could go uni, come out, get a um, get girl, get married, and then you're, you're like working and you're getting like, let's say 25K. But instead of you striving for more, you just settle for that one job and then you don't progress in life. So it's just a case of just you as an individual, just pushing yourself and, and then just go ahead, like trust striving for more. Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like I feel like we, we, we focus so much on um the salary of a position. Like we focus so much on the salary than the position that we do in terms of work. Like it's yeah. crazy. Whenever I hear people talk, all I hear is salary, this, that, okay. like it's I was just using that as an example. Yeah. But again, it could be you're working for someone nine to five. Why don't yeah. you look at avenues to try and open up your own business? But that's like, not that's not everyone's ambition. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's not really that. No, no, it's not. But if but everyone was working for themselves in the world, yeah. <laughs> nothing would get done. No, yeah. of course, of course. But obviously, everyone when you strive for more, everyone's always like, "Oh, I don't want to work for someone." And don't forget as well, when you have your own business, bro, mm-hmm. that that sometimes. Like some people can't handle that because some some successful people have unfortunately, you know, may have committed suicide because they couldn't handle the pressure of, you know. So I think to me, I think mental health affected me more so when I was, when I started to think about, um, I shouldn't have really done it, but I was comparing my life to my, 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 my brother's lives in Ghana. And even though they work hard, Huh? I said we've all done it we all compare ourselves to other people especially yeah, like, people you know no but obviously yeah. but okay they're in a different continent nature innit they're in a different continent so like to the Africans that we're that we, we are here we are you know we're living the dream <laughs> we're making peas <laughs> we're doing this so we're, we're picking the money off the money trees that's it send them back so like and I used to always tell them look you're you're living and your work is way more better than mine because you don't work for your, like, obviously you work for the business, which is a family business. You know, you're always constantly with family. You know what I mean? Like you're doing things as a family, whereas me, I'm working for somebody. Um, I get paid. They don't really care for my well-being as long as I can turn up to work on time and do my job and then, you know, don't store the money and go home. Do you know what I mean? But when you're in a family, you can talk about things like, I remember when my when I first heard my dad had a stroke here, yeah? I never I had never cried. Like last time I cried, I think was that when my grandma died when I was like nine, like ten, and I was in Ghana. When I heard it, like I started bawling out. Like I was at work. You don't cry for like twenty seven years at the Yeah. I started bawling out. I'm gonna see you later. Like, I had to call yeah, one of my friends and one of my friends had to like comfort me, like, oh it's fine, you know. Mm-hmm. And my friend had lost his mum and dad at a very young age before he turned seven years old. 
Do you get what I mean? So sometimes it's, it's, it's that those people that have gone through, um, you know, a mad ordeal and, 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 and they're strong, because I see him as a strong individual, so I can rely on him. Not everybody you can talk to. Kenneth can come to me and talk to me about stuff, but he knows sometimes I'm not going to be as maybe, um, you know, able to help him out than somebody that's been through, you know, a situation. We all know somebody that had suicidal thoughts. Do you get mm-hmm. what I mean? And I had to talk to him and I had to constantly be, try to be around him as much as possible. To, Because to me, I can't understand why someone want to kill themselves because I've never been in mm-hmm. that frame of mind. But I had to just say, look, Eddie, stop being selfish. This guy's told you this. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to make more it? Common, it's more common than you think, though, especially amongst um, BAME men, to, to contemplate a suicide and even attempt it. And I think that's something that we never talk about either. Like some, Especially if you come from faith or culture, they'll say it's either weakness or like, oh, you're going to go to hell yeah. if you do it. They don't actually attack yeah. the problem, why that person feels that way. Yeah. They attack yeah. the person for having the feeling. Mm. And I and don't know why we do that. That you could actually help with, you know. Mm. You're right. Yeah, just pick up. Okay, what, so what is it that, like, for example, white people are doing differently when it comes to mental health? I, it's, that's a really good question. It's not necessarily that they're doing something differently, but um, the I think the report that came out in 2020 basically stated that the mental health services discriminate against BAMEs. So you're more likely to, if you went to your doctor and told them, "I'm just, I'm not feeling quite well," they're they're less likely to refer you to mental health. Uh, sorry, they're uh, they're more likely to refer you to mental health services. You know, funnily enough. Sorry, funnily enough, um, you said that there's, there's a woman I know and um, she volunteers at um, a mental health home like once a week, every week. And basically she goes there, just helps them out, has a conversation with them and she became close friends with one of the, the men that were there. And the thing is, this guy, he's he's he has like, you know, he's very depressed. He has, he always has like thoughts about killing himself and everything like that. But from her meeting up with him, maybe one, every time he feels like that, she says, give me a call. And every time... He comes off the phone with her. He feels a lot better. And sometimes she goes to meet up with him. Maybe they go for a walk around the park, you know, and then they feel good. But then obviously he got to a stage where she was working quite a lot and she couldn't do it more often. And then he got to into such a bad state. She was like, he, he, she was like, I need to go and see him. I need to go and see him. And he, what he was expressing is that he's called, um, what, what's the place you call when you need someone to talk to? Samaritans. Um, Samaritans. Samaritans, yeah. He called Samaritans and, you know, he'll speak to them. I think they even referred him to go and have a meeting there. He went there, he had a meeting and they were, they just asked him a few questions, ticked a few boxes and said, you're fine, you're absolutely fine, you can go back home. And it's like, it was a case where he, he, he wasn't okay. He didn't know what to do, especially during, obviously, the whole, whole lockdown situation, everything like that. And he was the type of person that needed to be out, needed to be around other people. But because he was isolated by himself for so long, he couldn't do it. So he ended up being taken into care. He was in the home. It's like they referred him to the, it's like a nice place where other people stay and everything like that. But then it's like he was there for two days and he left. He just self-discharged himself because he was like, he couldn't do it. It's like prison. He's just in yeah. there, in the room by himself. They bring him his food. He's got nobody to talk to. So it's like he had to come out of there again. So it's like, although there's these places that do help you, it's like, it's not necessarily the same help that everybody needs. Yeah, and you've got to understand that a lot of these places don't have a lot of funding and they mm-hmm. may be overrun. So they might just see you and say, oh, just give him, give him those drugs. That's fine. Yeah. Like, just give him, yeah he'll, he'll be that fine. as well. Because you think about it as well, like sometimes... Because I remember one time, I think a few years ago, Charlemagne was talking about it again. Like, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of black, um, like, therapists and, you know, people... Psychologists. That, psychologists exactly, yeah. and, that you can talk to. So sometimes, imagine, yeah, I walk down the road and, like, a white person or a Caucasian person is, is scared of my presence, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine me going into a room with that same individual and trying to talk to him about my mental state of mind. Yeah. Are they going to even be able to fathom what you're saying to them? Because... They're probably still scared of your physical, like being that they can't even listen to what you're saying. Valid so point. that it's mad that you have to be. It's there's so much obviously against BAMEs. Then let alone walk into a room to say hi, my name is, and I have a mental issue, and that person to actually care about you. Yeah. Mm. I mean, Somebody I just think it's important to say. Obviously, that's not every every no, person. 
that's yeah, going to yeah, be yeah, that's going to be a, there's a statistic that will be included in that so i fully understand what you're saying but at the same time though sometimes it isn't a professional that you need like like we've all said, there are people in our lives that we can pick up the phone where we're, we're graced and blessed enough to be able to pick up the phone and call mm-hmm. somebody and let them know how, how we're feeling. Mm-hmm. Are we that person for somebody else? Could we yeah. be that person? And they've tried to contact us and we haven't reached out. Like mm-hmm. the, during this pandemic, I tried really hard to like keep my phone open because mm-hmm. I, I would say I'm a sociable person. Like I like to talk to people. I let everybody knows my business, mainly because I don't know how to lie. Like I forget the lie, so there's no point in trying. Mm-hmm. So when people call me, I will fully take their phone calls. But then it got to a point where it was like, I feel like I've got everybody's issues. Like everybody's. Yeah. And I couldn't sort through my That's own stuff. Issue. That's an issue as well. Yeah. So, so we need to know like, okay, we're going to be accountable to this person and this person can be accountable to us. And that might be one or two people, but at the same time, we need to worry about our own mental health and do the things that keep us calm and us safe and us happy as well. And we need to know what those things are and know what our triggers are so that if we get to a place where we're like, you know what, this is too much, it's too stressful, we need to stop. Like, example, I went to the dentist yesterday. I was like, I'm having pains in my teeth. She's like, you're grinding your teeth. I was like, what? She's like, are you stressed? I'm like, no, of course not. I'm never stressed. She's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you grind your teeth, in the, not at night, in the day. So whatever I'm doing, as I'm doing it, I'm, I'm stressed that I'm grinding my teeth. Mm. That's crazy. So there's something that's making that thing happen and I need to figure out what that is. So we all need to be aware of like, what are we doing to yeah. ourselves and what, what are those physical things that are manifesting and how can we combat that before then we can go and say, I want to support this person as well. Is that me? I always try to like, even if I get a missed call from someone, no matter how many hours it is or how late in there, I always, I always call them back. Yeah. Because you, guys have you never know. You never know what that person yeah. is. No, not, not Mike Ajikum. <laughs> what do you Mike mean? Call? Oh, well, Mike doesn't call you back. Nah, but I always call people back, man. Yeah, I do. do you though? Yeah, if it's not the same day, it'll be the next day. <laughs> that person could be gone, you know. <laughs> oh, man. They could have been calling you to be like, yo, I just won the million dollar lottery, fam. I want to give you 10K. Send me your bank details. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I'll call him tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow's gone, yeah. Yeah, he calls you tomorrow. All the money's gone. He's giving it out yeah. to his other friend. Did anyone play, play you a million? This is I play you a million, but only when it's over 100,000. 100 million, you 100 million. 100 million, yeah, sorry. It's always over 100,000, <laughs> so you play every time. <laughs> oh, snap. Um, okay, so... <laughs> I just want to add uh, this one point. So, where to go if you need support? The NHS, social services and other services will continue to support, to support people during the coronavirus crisis, as they've always done before that and after that. They might not be able to provide the normal support level or support system that you are accustomed to, but it's important to remember that this crisis is temporary and that things should return to normal eventually. The government and the NHS have published their latest information on the coronavirus and the following websites uh, on the coronavirus and any other issues dealing with mental health on the UK government's website and the NHS website. And if you need to speak to someone, please don't be afraid to call 111. And if you're in an emergency, also call 999. So to... uh, end this topic on a on a positive note can we get uh, a word of the week from mike we're still doing that <laughs> yeah you guys don't follow running orders i've been making these you know running orders he yeah, didn't even that... read it because look at your face no, now no, no, you're no. like wait i, did. I still have I'm to do that no no i did i tried to look for something but i couldn't find anything but i know that the last couple of episodes we ain't been doing it so i haven't yeah, really been putting a lot of thought into it Listen, listeners, I just want you to know each of these guys have one job. I do a lot of stuff for this <sighs> podcast. He had you know one what? job. What wow. I wanted to do, I wanted uh, to find a word that was in relation to mental health. Unfortunately, enough. I couldn't find something. Because what I always want to do, I always want to find something that's relevant to the topic. Fair but um I, I couldn't find anything. So that's fair. Apologies. All right. But Let's go, Eddie. Oh, no, go on. <laughs> no, 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 go on, go, go. Eddie, go, positive Eddie. story of the week. I mean, I, I don't know if it's a positive story, but did anyone see um, Billy still get knocked out? No, yes. The, on the, the tube, racist. On the oh, yeah. I don't know if that's a positive. That's not I mean, a positive. It's very positive. <laughs> 
Is it? It's very positive. A young black man stood up for themselves. Affirmative action. Yeah, but you shouldn't. I, listen, you, I don't condone don't violence. Learn, Unless someone put hands on me, I'm not going to put hands on you. That's how I see it. He 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 was attacking them with his words. They should have nah, attacked. Trust them. me. Like, okay, have you been there when someone's just chatting? Okay, imagine yeah. there with and I your chat sister. shit back. Nah. No, no, no. But imagine you're there with your sister, like your younger siblings, and he's there firing that sort of abuse at you. You know, all you're doing is sitting on the train, minding your own business with your face mask on. Yeah, he's not even wearing the mask, splattering his disease everywhere, talking very loud. Like, it's, it's just, it's just, man. Well, what do you say? Excuse me, sir, would you mind? And he's like, no, no you can't no, tell I me would, to do that. You're I would, I would, Did you I would, no, hold, 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 hold on, hold on. Did you not hear when he was chanting? Lesser than us. Less. I was like, yeah. is this guy being serious? He, he yeah, obviously, anyway, I want to know where he's from because the fact that he was on, a, he was on the central line because that was he was on the central line, yeah. so I know it's eastbound on the central line. Yeah. So it was like on Chigwell, or Essex, or the hung, what's it? What's it? Hunger, not hunger, hey no, hey no, hunger, hey no, yeah, it's them places there. I know, don't worry, hunger. I never even heard of hunger, <laughs> you know, hunger, hunger, still never heard of it. Yeah, Sussex. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay. Basically, um, uh, I can I use that? Right. Just, uh... So one, one positive news story for the week. So basically, Stormzy's Murky Foundation is giving 500000 to help young people from underprivileged backgrounds through college or university. How much? Uh, 500000 How much? <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys were aware. But basically, yeah. he made a statement saying that he's going to set up um, a 10 million fund. Yeah, I saw over it. Next, over the next decade to tackle it's racial fantastic. inequality. I so rate him so it. much. This is part of the um, the whole initiative that he's doing. Yeah. So, but can I ask a question? Hit me. Making funds available to for, for people to, that are less fortunate to fortunate. go to go university. How do you know they're not going to go there? Spunky? Exactly. Wait, wait. Let me finish. Uh, let me land. Sorry, sorry. Oh, sorry, Eddie. How does that guarantee that you are going to, you know, um, beat systemic... I'm sure it's going to have to be, like, people who are, like, earning... Sorry, not earning certain grades. I'm people sure it's like people, people that, like, at least, people like, that, like, people that speak like K. Like, what you, whatever do oh, you Oh, no, do? hold on, hold no, on. No, 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 I don't think it's going to be like that. No. First of all, people that speak like me, I, I'm considered maybe underprivileged to some people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really give you the full details as to how he's doing it. I'm so sure. Means- I'm sure it's done through like the young person would apply for an application process, and then there'll be a body of people that kind of put those applications yeah, but, together and decide. But if you, but hold on, going to Oxford or Cambridge does not guarantee you a job, does it? No, it, uh, mm. I wouldn't say it doesn't guarantee you. I think you're yeah, giving you like an eighty percent chance. That's of one, of the, that's one of the top ten unis in the world. Yeah, but yeah. if you're BAME, does that? Yeah. I get it if you're, you know of Caucasian background and you have a dad who's a CEO of somewhere or he knows somebody. Yeah. But let's say one of us went to Cambridge, right? From the standard background that we're from. Mm-hmm. It does not necessarily guarantee you a, a position. Obviously you build but the, links. Yeah, build. the circles you roll in are now different. Yeah, so you, it may not guarantee you the top job, but it's going to guarantee you a better job than someone who then, went to Bedfordshire. I'm sorry, but then you're not beating, you're not, yeah. what, what you set out to do is already failed. Because no, but what? it takes time. It's not going to happen the first, know, the first one, know, or the second okay. one, or the third one. But what I'm saying is, at the end of the day, if you're going to use that, you're going to use that money. Use it for good. Use it to, fair enough. Like, okay, I'm going to educate you lot, and then through that education, you're going to go back to whatever countries, Africa, wherever Asia, and better that economy. See, and I don't. Mm, I yeah, don't of course you don't. That is. <laughs> That is a topic for another day. But thank you guys for joining us. Next time, we're going to be talking about what friendship means and what loyalty is. So that's wait, what we're going to be recording. Wait, hold on, hold on. wait, wait, what? Wait, yeah. whose turn is it next time? Me. It's me again. Oh, okay. What? Yeah. Okay, why are you doing two in a row? Oh, because people have missed me. I've actually seen it in the comments. People miss my voice, so. What comments? It's been fun, people. Um, yeah, that's that. That's that <laughs> mental health. Go get checked out. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh man, I'm putting this in the bands, people. I swear to God. Nah, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that, Eddie. Don't do that. <laughs> I am. And that's this week's episode, guys. Don't forget to share your thoughts on our Instagram and Twitter. Links are always in the description below. Make sure you subscribe.